0: We can' indeed trust God. We can trust His love, we can trust His grace. Thank you, Martha and Allie, reminding us of that. We've been in the study of First John, and so we're going to continue there. We're almost done. It's like a friend we uh, will say goodbye to. it's still in the scripture, of course, but uh, kind of it's so nice to come back and it's familiar, and it, the themes all join. And so we'll be beginning a a new series um, in October. That really is a series that you can invite uh, your uh, friends who are skeptics, um, those who want to know more or have doubts. We'll look at science and the Bible. We'll look at God, the question of God. And we, in fact, the title of the series is Questions. And so if, um, if you have someone that has a, has a question uh, about the Bible, can we rely upon it, about God himself, uh, it's a, a great opportunity to, uh, to bring them to. Our text is First John 5. 16 and 17, we'll read it, we'll pray, and we'll dive into the text that we have here. 1 John 5, 16. John writes, If anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death, he shall ask, and God will, give, will for him give life to those who commit sin not leading to death. There is a sin leading to death. I do not say that he should make request for this. All unrighteousness is sin. And there is a sin not leading to death. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. A complicated passage, let's ask for his help to understand. Gracious God, by your mercy, you have brought us here. and Thank you that you are a mighty and powerful God. And so would you, by the power of the Holy Spirit, open our hearts to receive the message you have for us today. And I pray that you would give us wisdom and understanding but also wisdom in obeying, care and love in such a way that we have a heart for others. We know that your heart indeed, O God, is that which is a heart for the people of this world and a heart for your children. And so as we understand your word today, give us wisdom to apply and strength to obey. We'll give you the glory for who you are, as well as what you've done. In Christ. And I pray. Amen. Let me play out a scenario for you. Admittedly, this is an uncomfortable scenario. Uh, but it is, if you stick with me, a scenario that's drawn from the Scripture passage. Let's just say you're out one evening downtown enjoying the, the wonderful food fresco open air, fresco in Greenville. Uh, we have many great places in Greenville to sit outside and to eat on a balcony. And so you're there with enjoying friends or family, uh, having a nice meal. And as, let's say you're on the sidewalk and as you are talking and you see someone walking towards you and you don't recognize the person at first, but you kind of look familiar in your mind, you look down, you continue eating, but as the person gets closer, he, she looks familiar as the person gets closer, you say, oh, wait, I recognize that person as a member of the body of Christ that I attend. It's from my church or someone close that you know. And the next thing you realize, though, there's a hit. There is something going on that lets you know that this person is out in public, no question, and in sin. Now, I'm not going to define what that sin is because the Scripture doesn't. But there is that, that moment you see that an uncomfortable a t- tightening of the stomach, a flush in your face, you recognize and do I do I look at that person, do I do I look down, do I ignore, but there's obviously there's something. Not and we'll talk about there's not something I think that maybe possibly they may be thinking something, but it's something that you would say from scripture, sin. You you flush with embarrassment, you and maybe shame for, for you, for him. Mercifully he doesn't see you crouch behind your menu. Um And that's not a comfortable scenario. In fact, that's a scenario scenario that that probably would be likely to turn your stomach into knots for days. It it would be unavoidable. Is your friend or a a church member, um, someone that you know is a follower of Christ and you see this and they're in obvious sin? There's, there's, There's no mistaking that. What do you do? What is it that you do? I wonder if this ever happened to you. I'm not asking for names. Maybe the person maintained, oh, that's not sin. You just think it is. But you notice their face got red when you saw them, and they made eye contact, and, and they were uneasy when they saw you. And this is a very similar situation the Apostle John is bringing here to us. A situation of uncomfortableness on the the on the side of a believer who sees another believer in sin, and so much so that it's not questionable whether it's sin or not. And John writes of the situation and gives us help to understand what is our responsibility and what we should do. How do we handle those situations? And notice that this is in line with the discussion he's already having here. Turn to uh, just a couple verses back to 11. Okay, 1 John 5.11, this is a testimony that God has given us eternal life, uh, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He's speaking of the believers, two believers. Um, And he who does not have the Son of God does not have life. These things, we, we read and studied, these things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know a confidence, a surety that you have eternal life. And then continue, this is the confidence that we have before him that if we ask anything in accordance or in harmony with God's heart desire here, if we ask anything in his will. That's the remarkable thing. He hears us, and if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask in accordance to his will, in harmony with his will, we know that we have such requests which we have asked from him. And on, based on that eternal life, that surety, of knowing eternal life, of confidence in prayer. He, he follows this. If anyone sees a brother committing a sin not leading to death, he shall ask. So the context is prayer and asking. He shall ask. And here it is that we have our situation. And he, he transitions from, from the prayer, of no, from knowing eternal life to confidence in prayer to what if you see this? How do you pray? Look at the, the first phrase here. If anyone sees now, obviously this is an observable thing. It, it indicates an observable fact. It's not a matter of suspicion. Hey, I think you looked at me cross-eyed, or I think that you, I think that you think that. No, this is observable. Uh, literally, it's sinning a sin. So it's a, it's not. A, I see. It's I see a, a, a brother here sinning a sin. I see that action, and there's, there it lends the, the outward nature of the act of the sin. And so, this idea of of seeing, but it's, it's a brother. Understand that this is a, a a follower of Christ. This is a fellow believer. This is one who who is in the in the church. Now, and it says here he's committing a sin, and then he says. It's the, the outward nature, but is committing a sin not leading to death. And that's where some of the question is, and we're going to answer some of that. We're going to leave some of it in ministry so that it's tension there. And don't hate me too much. But God doesn't give us all of this. He gives us the principle. A few thoughts. First of all, John is writing in contrast to those he's already written to regarding those who have walked away from the faith. Those who've said, well, Jesus is uh, maybe a good teacher, but he's not really God. He's not fully God, or he's not fully human. And in Scripture, we understand he's fully God, fully human. Theologically, that's a hypostatic union. that came up with that a long time ago. Okay, it's fully God, fully man. He had to be both to be our perfect sacrifice and to redeem us. And so he's not talking about this one who's already walked away from the faith. He's already addressed them. He's not, he's not addressing them. He's addressing an unbeliever here. Um, this one who has walked away from the faith has already denied Christ. And so you have here this question of what's a sin leading unto death? Well, I do know that the one who denies that Jesus is Christ and does not believe, that is a sin that leads unto death. We don't know exactly all the full ramifications of what John is writing here, but we can say, my personal opinion here, that this sin that is leading to death, as he says, is the one that rejects Christ. This is, I, do, I turn my back on Christ. But he says, this is not a sin that is leading or is going toward, and, and the, the word leading there is, maybe your, your text there is in uh, italics, the one that is moving toward death. So I see someone, observable, outward fact, of a believer, committing a sin, not moving or leading toward death. See, he's already established that the one who is born of God does not continue to practice sin. The one who is not a child of God is a practitioner of sin. It's the practice, the way, of the habit of their life. One who follows God, the practice of the life is to go after God and to live righteously. Now, as Martin Luther said, I'll keep reminding you that sometimes the needle shakes, but it always, for the believer, returns north, true north. After confession, First 1 John 1, 1.9, repentance. The, the, the trajectory of a believer is to continue to live in such a way as to follow God. But here is this one sinning a sin that not leads to death. John doesn't tell you what type of sin it is. It doesn't tell you the sin. And I think, I think we can only conclude from this that it's a general warning. It is a general warning to, to believers. And so here's the scenario. You see a person outwardly committing a sin. What's your first thought? (gasps) Shock, horror, indignation. How dare he? Sadness. His or her poor family. What about care? What about love? What is your first thought if you saw something? I would submit to you that from Scripture here from the understanding of what God is doing, He's calling attention to this situation, that our first response should be to care or to love. Our first response is not to point and and go to Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and video it and post it. That's not our first response. Our first response is not to be judgmental, how dare they offend me, and make me see that now I have to deal with it. Our first response should be care and love for that individual. It's not a license to pride. This is not a license. It's not a license to judge motives. It's a license or a command to love enough to care. And it is indeed that care and love for a brother and sister of Christ that causes us to act in obedience to what John is writing here that care of that love. It's a care for the righteousness and the, of, of God. It's a care for the life and the sanctification of a brother or sister in Christ. It's a caring, loving act to act as John prescribes here. Now this is spoken of in the context of a local congregation. For those you know, those you love, understand the unloving believer sees, looks away, And does nothing. The unloving believer says, I can't believe. What a... How dare he? Trash. The unloving believer closes the door and does nothing of what God says here. The unloving believer makes it a matter of gossip. But the loving believer acts... You know, when we care enough and deeply for the souls of other people, we care enough to not only see, but we lean in to care and love for the fellow believer. We lean in. Lean in. It's the opposite of judgmental, harsh, gossipy, one-upmanship, getting ahead. And when I see someone else sin, I feel better about myself. I didn't do that. Really? No. It's the love for another believer. And John is speaking to that. What's the command? Verse 16 continued. He shall ask. He shall ask. And God will for him give life to those who commit sin, not leading to death. He shall ask. So in a word, pray. Request. This is the theme of The verse 14 to 15. Reading this is confidence in prayer. Praying according to God's will. God's will being the sanctification the the more the process of being more and more like Jesus for a believer for all believers pray it would be in harmony with the will of God here God's heart desires general revealed will pray and he shall ask this is indeed remarkable that God gives us the opportunity and the responsibility to pray to give Life, here's the interesting thing. He shall ask, and God will, give, will for him give life to those who commit sin. There, actually, the word God there is a translation of what we think. It says, he shall ask, and he will give for him life to those. Give him life there. This is a sin, sinning is sin, not leading to death. It reminds me of this idea of leading to death of James. James says, you know, for each is tempted when he is, carried away, is enticed by his own lusts. Thus conceived, gives birth to death, and when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. But it's a sin not leading to death. So he shall ask, and he shall give him life for those, for them that sin not unto death. What a remarkable thought that God gives us the opportunity to speak to one. And through us. God is the only giver of life. Can can we agree on that? God is the only giver of life. He is, however, empowering us and trusting us to give strengthening life to the believer that we see sending us in here. He's using us in this way. He's allowing us to partner with him as he pursues that heart and that soul to bring him back. He says, there is a sin leading to death. I do not say that he should make requests for it. Now, he's, he's saying there is a sin. I think that's where I talked about earlier. I believe the sin of denying Christ is that sin that we can say for sure that's the sin leading to death. But he says, I do not say that you should re- make a request for it. But he does also say, I'm not saying that you don't make a request for that. So we see one who's, who's rejecting Christ. We can continue to pray for that one. He said, but, and then he says, all unrighteousness is sin. Let's, let's get this out on the table. All unrighteousness is sin, okay? But there's a, like no good, bad sin. Everything is sin. Earlier, he said in the, in the letter here that uh, sin is lawlessness. He said, but there's a sin not leading to death. So he sets up a scenario that you may encounter. Of seeing a brother in Christ, a sister in Christ, and having the opportunity to pray for them, to uphold them to the throne of God, that God might work in their lives, to care enough and to love enough for this. I wonder, do you care enough for this? John does not identify the sin. He doesn't identify exactly what's going on. In fact, he doesn't take it as far as Paul does. Paul said in Galatians six, we read, "Go to that brother in a spirit of what humility." Go to the brother, plead with them. John says, "Pray." They're not contradicting, contradicting each other. They're just saying, "Here's what you do." Paul says, "Go, go." John says, "Pray." Let's do both. You can kind of see the perspectives of the the different apostles. The apostle, the one who loves deeply, John. Not that Paul didn't love, but John was the one that whom Christ loved. The one who says, "My beloved," all the way through his letters. Here, uh, he cares for my little children. He feels as a father to them. His is praying. Paul is, you know, let's go, let's talk to them. Humility. No pride, let's talk to them. Let's rescue. John says pray here. Pray. There's effectiveness in intercessory prayer. Here, the effectiveness here, as Heber says in his commentary, the effectiveness of intercessory prayer is limited by the mysterious power of self-determination with which God has endowed every being. doesn't mean that you pray the prayer, and this person comes back, They may continue to resist for a while. We partner with God. But what is plain here is that we must pray. We must not look away. We must not be insensitive. We must not judge. We must not be prideful. But we must pray. We must pray. That is what's plain See, there's life in the gospel It's not just in salvation one time. The gospel life continues. Verse uh, 12, the testimony is given is eternal life that I read through earlier. Over and over in this letter, he writes to the one who, who has received of this life The one who may be discouraged because those are leaving the congregation, rejecting Christ. And now he writes to those who say, There's going to be those who sin. You may even be that one, but my my letter, my writing to you as a body is to pray for that person who sins. And you see that. It's to love and to care, to care and to pray, to care and pray for others. Because of our salvation, because of what Jesus has done for us. And that is the consideration as we do this. We look and say, God, you have forgiven me so much of my own filthy, rotten, wretched, sinful soul. I know the capacity of sin I have within me as I pray for that person. I don't pray in pride, but I pray in humility. I pray in care. I love God desires for all of his children to walk in light, 1st chapter of 1st John. He desires that we have fellowship with him, 1st chapter of 1st John. He desires for restoration of the sinner. If we confess our sins, he 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 is so wonderfully gracious and marvelous and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God's desire, his heart's desire here is that believers be a conduit of the grace and life-giving uh, grace that comes from God to others. It is a privilege. And these two verses should dig deep into our heart of where we live and what we desire for others around us. To uphold them in prayer. To cry out to God for them. Not to ignore, not to scoff, not to laugh. It's so easy to see open and public sin and despise that person or to pronounce a sentence and judgment across the room or across the, the city, across the world with little love and no prayer. And how dare we who know Christ, who have received forgiveness and grace from Christ, respond in a way that's unloving and respond the way that does not? call out to God in prayer for such a one. How dare we? We go with Paul's meekness and humility. So Jesus commands us to enter into into that union with him as a conduit of his life-giving grace. See, the joy of knowing Jesus brings with it obligations and responsibilities. Yes, to practice righteousness because he is righteous, to live in such a way that, that re- reflects glory to Christ, to, to show that we love him and that we care and we reach out to others, but also is to be caring enough for the fellow believer to come to him and say, hey, I love your brother. As Paul would say, can we talk? Or as John would say, i fall on my knees before God and pray for this one for the rescue of their life before they go down the path too much longer and wreck their lives. And it is indeed the grace-giving God that pleads to that one who is rejecting God or is running from God in sin, and God is calling, and he may indeed use a fellow brother and a fellow sister to call unto you and to speak to you and to say, hey, can I help you? I'm praying for you. Do not reject that one who comes to you in love, who you find out later has been praying for you for quite some time. It is a gift of God to the child of God who sins. And know there is life-giving forgiveness in Christ. We very well may be next in line for someone to pray for us, and so we pray for others. The joy of knowing Jesus brings a care for others. It brings a responsibility to pray. So may we in humility pray for those that we see in sin. Their lives may be restored to fellowship and to the full joy of knowing Jesus. Let's bow for prayer. Before we pray, I just want to It occurred to me that we might have to confess sin of pride this morning. It's the pride that says there was so much better than that sinner. Pride that says, boy, I'd rather scoff than pray. Maybe we might confess the sin of lack of love. But hey... My my love has been so cold that I don't care. Maybe this morning God has used a believer to speak to your life. Understand that in care and love they've spoken to you, they're praying for you, and this is the time. This is God's act of mercy and grace to you. Respond. This morning, if God's working in your heart, we you respond to him from the word? There may be people you have to go to and say, you know, the restoration may have already been done. And you may have to say, I'm sorry, I didn't pray when I saw. I didn't care when I saw. Gracious God, we thank you for who you are, for the power of your love, the power of your grace. Thank you that you do forgive, and thank you that you, you have provided a way of forgiveness for all of us. Oh God, I pray that if there's one here who does not know Jesus as their Savior, that they would come to the understanding. They would see a God, through the, even the, the passage here, a God who loves and cares, who provides, and they would see a fresh and new, a God who is gracious and still is extending an opportunity to them for redemption. And they would respond before it's too late. For believers here who are running from God, I pray that you would deal in those hearts. Lord, would you do a work? For us who have been prideful, would you forgive us? May we care, may we love, may we pray. Lord, may you do a work in our hearts, do a work in our church, in our community, people might see the love of God in us. So that you may be glorified through this. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.